0: The following program is brought to you in living color. And the following is a steel production. Primary night in South Carolina and for the Democrats caucus night in Nevada. And with me, the master of politics from the University of Indianapolis, Dr. Laura Albright. It's uh, good to have you, Laura. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, Ray. Thank you. And I love it when you call me Master of Politics, by the way. I feel like I should trademark that one. Well, okay, so yeah, been, you yeah. should.
0: Uh, I'll, I'll give that one <laughs> to you for free. Um, so we've got these polls showing, let's talk Republicans first. Donald Trump, big yeah. lead. We've seen this before. We saw it in New Hampshire. He ended up winning. We saw him leading in the polls in Iowa. He ended up not winning. Uh, South Carolina, he's got a handy lead. He's got an even bigger lead in Nevada. We'll talk. South Carolina has been the scene of the more. Uh, bruising type brawl, not just this year, but virtually every presidential election year in recent memory. How do you see things shaking out in South Carolina?
1: Well, I think, and I'm glad you mentioned how he was the lead in polls in Iowa. Obviously, that didn't transcend in terms of the caucuses. When we look at South Carolina, I think this 15% lead against Cruz is something we really need to take in consideration. He's doing very well the difference is your South Carolina voters compared to your Iowa voters and that it's a primary and not a caucus system. Um, Trump already adjusted his campaign from Iowa. You know, he was doing things differently for New Hampshire that translated into success there. I, you know, where we looked after Iowa and said, wow, Trump didn't win. And, you know, he's doing so well in polls. I don't have that same concern here going into South Carolina. He's doing well in polls. I, I think he'll do very well in the actual primary.
0: So it looks like he's going to win. What does it matter for the rest of the field as to where you come in place? Like, like how important is second place? How important is third place if you are a Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio, or on down the line, Jeb Bush, John Kasich? We'll get to Ben Carson in a moment. Pretty confident he's not going to be that high. But how, how important is the, is the placement in this primary?
1: Huge. It, it's huge. And the fact of the matter is when we're looking at six candidates, you don't want to be sixth. You don't want to be fifth, even fourth. I think when we look at everyone, Kasich obviously did very well in New Hampshire. I don't think he's going to do well in South Carolina. We can talk about that later. But he wants to keep up that momentum, certainly to tide him over till Michigan, the more midwestern primaries where he'll be more successful. Rubio wants to pick up on momentum he really lost in New Hampshire, having a not great presidential debate recently. Bill Cruz obviously wants to maintain. Bush Bush thinks that South Carolina really could be his playing field. This is. Catering to a lot of um, voters that would potentially come out to support him. So he's hoping to have a surge. I mean, everyone's vying for, obviously, first, you want to win, but if you can't, second and third are very, very good positions. So the, the order matters quite a bit.
0: Let's talk about John Kasich. Is he too moderate for the typical South Carolina primary voter?
1: Short answer, yes. I don't think he has the same kind of. Um, attributes and characteristics that really your your primary voter in South Carolina is looking for. And I think his campaign's aware of that. I you know, of course they're gonna work hard to get what they can in South Carolina. He's tiding off. He's hoping that he can make it through to Michigan. And he'll do a lot better, I think, connecting with your Midwestern vote more so than the Southern.
0: Jeb Bush, we've been teetering on whether or not he's going to be done at any time, despite his low showings in the caucus's primary so far. And uh, let's say he doesn't do better than I'd say fourth in South Carolina. Is he going to hang around here simply because of the amount of money he was able to raise early on as the, the initial front runner, if you will?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't see him dropping out because of lack of funds, and that's usually what pushes someone to that point in terms of a candidacy. Obviously, he's very well-funded. I think you know, we look at South Carolina as potentially a tipping point for him. Right now, he's pulling in fourth, but he would certainly like to get up there into third, maybe second if it's possible, and I'm not sure if that might be a little overly optimistic. You know, I, I don't see him dropping out anytime soon because he does have the money to, to keep going. You know, Where would his supporters go, those that, that do support him in that regard? I think he's going to still
0: hold on, really. Laura Albright from UND is with us, talking South Carolina Republican primary right now. There are some predicting a Ted Cruz, I don't know if you'd call it an upset, but they're thinking that based on the composition of the primary voters in South Carolina, that perhaps the polls are wrong the way they were in Iowa. How likely is a Ted Cruz upset? We'll use the term upset.
1: Sure, I mean... Is it possible? Yes. I and mean, I know what people are looking at is that evangelical vote. He did very well in Iowa getting um, evangelical voters on his side. And that's something where Trump obviously isn't going to have as much of a connection with them. But the difference is, if you look at who is in that, it's very different from South Carolina compared to Iowa. And whether or not Cruz can translate you know, everything he was able to do to connect with those Iowa evangelical voters, um, that come out to the Republican primaries. If he can do that for South Carolina, I'm less convinced. And certainly, it it is possible, but I don't think it's as as simple as just saying, "Oh well, you know, maybe the numbers are slightly off." There would have to be a couple other things there in order f- to have this kind of upset that we're speaking of.
0: Ben Carson is the is he done after this? I mean, you could argue that he's done already, but officially, do you think this is it for him?
1: I you know I don't think he can come in sixth and really claim to still have a viable candidacy. And right now that's exactly where he's polling. So I think it is a large concern. Ultimately, he can continue on until he chooses um, to drop out. But realistically, I think we're nearing the end of the Carson campaign. If he's not able to invigorate a lot of interest and uh, and get a lot of voters out there to support him, this is probably towards the end. Yeah.
0: Lastly, Donald Trump, pretty big lead in the polling going into Uh, with one exception. There was one national poll that had Cruz overtaking him. We don't know if that's an outlier yet or if that's a trend. But Donald Trump, let's assume he's ahead in the polls. Despite his lead in the polls up till now, he never really has been able in the, the primary setting to break past that one third or maybe a smidge more of the overall Republican primary vote. And there is a school of thought, and my friend Abdul from Abdul at Large is in this uh, school of thought, is that that's about where he's going to plateau overall in the Republican primary, that once these other candidates start falling by the wayside, the voters who supported those candidates are not that likely to support Donald Trump. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. And we have to look at, okay, the people in the bottom third. When we're looking at how the South Carolina polls, for instance, okay, Bush, Kasich, Carson, all towards the bottom three. You know, when you look at each of those candidacies, are those people who are necessarily going to support Trump if their candidate was to drop? And in terms of what they're interested in, in terms of the where they fit on the ideological spectrum, in terms of the policies, you know, I, I agree with Abdul on this, and I, I don't think it's very likely. Uh, in terms of Trump, you know, he does get about a third in percentage-wise for the vote. When you have six candidates, obviously he's winning. It's not a majority, but it is a plurality. What would be interesting is as more candidates drop, we have fewer candidates in the race, where those proportions lie, because obviously they will change. Um, and I could see how, just given the basis of support, whoever, whomever would drop out, I think Carson is probably the next likely candidate. I don't think they're necessarily going to throw their weight behind a Trump candidacy.
0: Those voters might go elsewhere. Dr. Laura Albright, our master of politics from UND is with me. Democratic primary in South Carolina. This looks, at least based on the polling, pretty cut and dried for Hillary Clinton, which I think we suspected would be the case given that African-Americans make up a very, very large portion of South Carolina's Democratic primary turnout.
1: Exactly. And she does very well with the minority voters, particularly for African-Americans. When we look at the demographics for South Carolina, it's not surprising. I think it's almost a 20 percent uh, lead in terms of where she's pulling for South Carolina right now. Not surprising that she do very well and we anticipate she'll likely win this one.
0: Why hasn't Bernie Sanders connected with, and, and I'll, I'll put a caveat here, it, it's not that he's not connecting with some African-American voters. We start, or or may be starting to see some sort of divide here. It's not a a big divide yet, but younger African-American voters, at least some of them, seem to be gravitating toward Bernie Sanders, whereas uh, we'll call them the civil rights establishment, if you will, Congressional Black Caucus. Congressman Jim Clyburn, of course, big in the Congressional Black Caucus, big in South Carolina. uh, They are solidly behind the Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, Does Bernie Sanders stand any chance of making inroads Considering that he's doing better with younger voters in general, and at least in part with younger African American voters.
1: Sure. Well, I think this is a great example of how none of these identities are monolithic, and so oftentimes I'm one of the worst defenders of us who say like, "Oh, the women vote tends to go this way," or the you know whatever group it is. In this case, we're seeing that age actually transcends race. And when you look at younger voters, younger voters in general, regardless of racial or ethnic background, tend to support the Sanders candidacy. Now, there's always that caveat with younger voters. Yes, they tend to be more liberal. They tend to support those kind of candidates. They also tend not to come out to vote. Mm -hmm. So whether or not they will do that there. I think one of the things Hillary Clinton's campaign has been very successful at is borrowing on the Obama administration. She's very much, you know, she supports everything he's done when you hear her speak. Um, in every debate, she talks about how she would add to the last eight years of the Obama administration, not necessarily change as much. And I think when you look at the voting block for especially older African-Americans in 2008, 2012, well, naturally, they were very supportive of Obama. And if they wanted to see the continuation of those kind of policies, I think they'd pay it forward in that way to the Clinton campaign.
0: Nevada Democratic Caucus is also happening this evening as uh, this airs on 93 WIBC. Nevada Republican Caucus, by the way, is on Tuesday, so we'll talk more about that as we get closer to it. But Nevada, different state. It is neck and neck between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders based on the polls there. How do you see that shaking out?
1: It is. And I think it'll be really interesting because for Nevada, they have 35 delegates. It, you know, it really could go either way. Um, yeah, This is one where I, I honestly, I don't know. I've heard both the campaigns have, have spent some time there. They're obviously trying to get the Nevada voters out. It's neck and neck. And I think that's one of the reasons that makes it a little bit more exciting um, than South Carolina, where we see one person leading by a large margin. Nevada's definitely
0: closer. Nevada hasn't gotten as much attention overall, perhaps because of all the uh, beating up of uh, people uh, via political ads and speeches and stuff on the Republican side in South Carolina. How important is Nevada to the Democrats, and is it perhaps more important than South Carolina?
1: Oh, uh, potentially it could be. I mean, if we're looking in terms of the delegates, Nevada has 35, South Carolina, I believe, has 53, so it's not proportionally as large. But what Nevada has that South Carolina doesn't is a larger Hispanic vote. You know, And when we look at Democrats, Democrats and Republican parties both have been trying to cater, trying to court the Hispanic vote, um, making sure they get those voters to come out for their political party. And we look at Democrats, You know, Clinton. Sanders are both looking um, in that direction. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out, because then you get a sense of, oh, well, where are Hispanic Americans standing? Um, For those that vote for the Democrat, um, you know, do they prefer the Sanders or the Clinton candidacy? So I think that part will be really fascinating.
0: I really don't know how Nevada is going to go, because you um, you have so many different moving parts out there. And it, exactly. and and plus, it's got to be tough for the candidate because they've got to pay attention to South Carolina, as you said. There are more delegates at stake, uh, but at the yeah. same but at the same time, if you're Bernie Sanders, I'm thinking, well, geez, I'm going to lose South Carolina. I might as well go all in on Nevada and try to win that to uh, gain a, a, you know, at least a split.
1: Exactly. I mean, I pull a Kasich and Kasich left Iowa the Saturday before the prime the caucuses, excuse me, knowing he wasn't going to do as well there and really put all the chips in in um, New Hampshire, which was very successful for him. So, you know, I think you have that balance, and that's one of the fun but complicated things when we have many of these primaries and caucuses that are now close to close, neck to neck, and we're going to obviously see an explosion of that on Super Tuesday. You know, how do you allocate your time and resources to get the maximum in terms of a win? Because winning one state is not the same as others, as we've just discussed, in terms of the delegates.
0: Given what we know about South Carolina, would you say that Nevada is a must-win for Bernie Sanders to keep any momentum going because he's obviously going to be the underdog in a lot of those southern states on Super Tuesday.
1: Yes, and, and if he doesn't win, if he gets very close, you know, almost an Iowa-like outcome within two, maybe three percentage points, he has to do well. If he's not going to do well in Nevada, I think that's really kind of a soft gap in terms of, of his campaign, but he does have the potential, obviously we've discussed, it's very close. If he's able to win or get very, very close loss that could translate similarly to a win for him. I think he has to do that to keep his candidacy viable.
0: All right. Very quickly, let's go back to South Carolina Republicans just to get you on the record because you're one and you're one and one in the Republican contest so far. not
1: bad. I suppose <laughs> not. Like Head tails on a coin. <laughs> so, you're
0: you're officially um, are you officially picking Trump to win?
1: I, I am. I'm okay. officially picking Trump. All right, because
0: yes. well, I, I have to call you on Monday to make to see if that turns out, just to, just to make sure. And hopefully
1: I'll be smiling
0: and not. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is radio. I won't know what you, you're doing, but, you know.
1: True, true. true. You,
0: gotta, you say nasty things under your breath for all I, I know, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dr. Laura Albright at the University of Indianapolis. Uh, your website, you've got a website where you've got a, a lot of your stuff, your writings and stuff. Where, where is that at?
1: I do. Um it's Wix dot com and so that's W I X uh, dot com and then just the black the backslash and it's Laura L A U R A M is in Merrifield, and then Albright A L B R I G H T. And I'd love it if people want to check it out.
0: All right. Yeah, and follow her at Laura M Albright. On Twitter too. There's a link to the website there and read her stuff anytime you would like. And we will talk again after the contest this evening just to see how things are. Laura Albright, always appreciate it. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Ray. It's a pleasure.